In this week's episode, a brand new wrestling book has us all up in our feels, while a new neo-noir is simultaneously murderous and adorable. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. I am still like this. I'm better. I'm better. I'm not coughing as much. I'm not, I'm not less sleeping. I, I, I'm functional. I just also, I sound, I sound like this. I'm here too. <laughs> Nobody cares about you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We've got some comics, right? I'm, I'm here enjoying the refreshing taste of a Coca-Cola starlight. <laughs> Don't be given big pop of Coca-Cola free advertising. I, yeah. They didn't pay for crap. But also, God, <laughs> God, Starlight's so delicious that I can't <laughs> stop. I have a problem. Yeah, there's comics. Yeah. This week. That's what we talk about on this, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, how are you? <laughs> we just keep, like, do the longest intro, like 30 minutes of intro, and then be like, hey, pick up these two comics. Anyway, thank you for listening. If you want more episodes, come <laughs> Uh Yes. Two comics that we're talking about this week, uh, both really, really good. I was really impressed with both of them, and I honestly went in not expecting a ton out of both of them, um, so it was it was very surprising. It was nice. Uh, the first one is called Do a Powerbomb, number one. This is by my homeboy, Daniel Warren Johnson, who I love very much. And I was very excited for this book, but also kind of not, because it's a wrestling book, and I'm like... Not that into wrestling. And yet, wrestling books are so good. Why are they all so good? <laughs> I have so many wrestling books that I'm like, ah, this is amazing. Like, Crimson Cage, amazing. Mm-hmm. This book, really good. Anyway, what we're met with in this book is a woman who is, like, heavyweight championship champion of the world. She's a badass. Uh, she has a family, husband and a daughter. Uh... And she's going out to do her, like, title match with some heel. You know what I mean? Some, like, turn my music off. I don't give a crap about you hicks out in the audience. I'm here to fight. (laughs) And, like, crap like that. Uh, And uh, things go wrong. And, uh, yeah. And I don't think it's too spoilery because it's kind of, like, the main point of the plot, but this, like, I, there was a period where I started to learn just organically being on the internet. I started to hear stories and learn about, like, how much, like, you, you think about, like, oh, wrestling's fake. Right. And you're like, oh, whatever, it's fake. But you don't really think about, like, the amount of athleticism and precision that goes into that, like, fakeness. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, like, if you mess up, you can kill somebody. Yep. And I, you know, there was a while back I was on the internet and I was like, man, this is really terrible. And I was like hearing stories about people who got paralyzed and wounded and stuff when things go wrong. Yep. And that's effectively what happens here is they're setting up for a stunt and, you know, wrestlers, they do a lot of improv, but they also basically know the process that's going to happen. Of course. So the heel guy's like setting up for his stunt and things go wrong and she doesn't make it. And so then we flash forward to the future and we're now following her daughter 
who is trying to follow in Mama's footsteps, but because of what happened to Mama, nobody wants to touch her. She can't find a trainer. Yep. She's having a hard time getting her career off the ground. Her dad's like, you can't do this. You're going to end up just like her. Um, and then there's a the necromancer. Anyway, T. <laughs> What'd you think? So I was raised on wrestling. Um, I was a part of the Attitude Era in the 90s. I watched The Rock from his wee babby start. I mm-hmm. was a Stone Cold Stunner fan. I, I <clears throat> you know, I, everybody. I was big into it. I watched. Wasn't The Rock a heel for a while and everyone hated it? Oh, it was awful. Yeah. yeah. It. There was a period of time, too, where it was because John Cena was like, still the good guy and the rock came back and they were like well we can't have two awesome good guys that everyone loves so they made the rock a heel and it was ineffective mm-hmm. <laughs> no one that i think dwayne johnson is just too nice he it didn't he's just a nice dude it was not great anyway i mean i was there when this when sting stopped do coming in through the um high wires because someone else had done it on a competing show and fallen and broken their neck um i have watched the accidents happen i have seen them happen and i will tell you what reading this book i cried i I, there was a there is a panel that you see it starting and i my breath caught and i just started bawling (laughs) it takes like it opens with a very specific tone and like you kind of get the vibe of like what this like oh okay it's gonna be a wrestling book about like maybe a wrestler who's like i kind of want out i just want to like like you don't really know where this book's gonna go you don't like it takes so many sharp turns and i love it and it's so like bright and vibrant and loud because of daniel warren johnson's art and um and because it's a wrestling book yeah and because it's a wrestling book and so it opens and you're like okay i'm kind of getting a vibe of where this goes and like you said there's like one panel that like kicks off what's about to happen and i i think i verbally was like oh no like i was like verbally like yeah outwardly reacting to the yeah. things that were happening it was I, terrible it's, it was it's very horrifying. dramatic and sudden and you and you can you can see it happen in your mind's eye you can watch it happen on the page and it literally like it caught my breath and then i started crying and i was like i'm crying over a wrestling comic this is a yeah. weird choice um but what's cool <clears throat> about this book is that it does a good job of of kind of emulating that feeling of like rooting for your person in on watching like a WWE or the, yeah. the you know the I've watched some of the Japanese wrestling it's awesome mm. it's, it's like a whole other thing it's amazing <laughs> they, it's it's a whole other level you're like there's a lot of slapping involved it's awesome <laughs> but I have um, seen a video from like Japanese wrestling of two dudes just like back and forth like slapping each other and oh like, yeah slap ah! and then they like slap ah! and they'll just do that for 20 minutes it's wild it is wild it. it's so entertaining but that's the thing like the this book what i think does such a cool job is that it, it kind of goes along the standard and i you know if it had gotten all the way to the end and there was nothing supernatural, there was nothing metaphysical, it was all just like a normal book, I probably would have still been like, this was a great book. Still I'm totally, super I'm compelled. invested. Yeah. Like, I'm invested. And then the last, like, two pages, it's like, oh, and by the way, <laughs> you didn't see that coming. And you're like, no, I I didn't see that coming. I, What? What are we? 
what are we doing here? What is this yeah. book even about? But it was done in the right way. It was done in a good, effective cliffhanger way, not in the, this was supposed to be a graphic novel and now it's a comic and so you don't understand what's happening in the book kind of way. Yeah, it was It was a very strong first issue. It was great. It utilizes the, the first issue to not only set up the premise and the motivations for the characters, but it also gives you... Uh, like decent helpings of character development. So we know kind of where their relationships are, where yeah. their motivations lie, uh, how they've grown over a period of time and what the stakes are. And that's all laid out in the first issue. And then it's just like, bam, surprise right at the end. Like, here's what the thrust of this, I think it's like a seven issue mini. Here's what the thrust of these seven issues is going to be, you know, presumably at some point someone's going to be like, do a power bomb and then look at the camera and the credits will roll. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it very, very strong first issue. And I feel like what I've experienced with Daniel Warren Johnson in the past, he's very good at first issues. He's very good at hooking you in to his books. I'm hooked. And being like, this is the first issue. This is like, they all kind of process that same way. Well, um, he nailed it. I'm in. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. It's a really, really good stuff. So I am very into this book. This is a file ad for sure. So next up coming from Aftershock. Uh, this is called A Calculated Man. This was written by Paul Tobin uh, with art by Alberto Albuquerque. Uh, this is a... Neo-noir book on the surface. Um, it is about a man who used to be an accountant for a big crime family uh, and then got out and is now part of the witness protection program and him dealing with the fact that some of the members of said crime family seem to have found him and his plan for what to do going forward and how to handle that situation. Uh, we're also met with his uh, witness protection program handler who is retiring and passing the file off to a new younger agent that he's been mentoring. Um, and she's very eager. Our main character's name is Jack Beans, which I love. <laughs> I guess that's his, like his witness protection program name, but yeah. Jack Beans, if I get, ever end up in the witness protection program i'm going to request a name like that i'm gonna be like can i be tony mashed potatoes you know like dibs on jack beans yeah dibs, <laughs> dibs on jack beans uh yeah it's and there's a lot of interesting details about this gentleman that's beyond just like oh he's you know an ex-crime guy he's actually fairly charming and nice uh he's got like a photographic memory because he sees everything he's got synesthesia and he sees everything as numbers so that causes gives him the ability to like lock down his memory really hardcore like we see his local barista quizzes him apparently and is like hey on june 14th what was i wearing and stuff and he like rambles off all these memories so he never forgets that detail like a thing uh he also can't lie as part of whatever's going on in his brain which is a big portion of like why he ended up leaving uh the crime family this is really interesting details for a character uh it gave him a lot of depth and depth and a lot of uniqueness that i hadn't seen t what were your thoughts this book is so weird <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Not in a bad way. I'm, I'm not saying that it's like a, a bad weird. But what I'm saying is that the tone is so bizarre. It is a very bright and kind of silly illustrated type of book. It's like kind of cartoony. Um, the character itself is kind of like, like a beautiful mind meets Mr. Beans. <clears throat> like he's kind of weird and goobery, but also so brilliantly smart. It's like, it, it's, it's fascinating to watch the different tones compete with each other in this book. And like, you know, there's death and murder cause it's crime Lords and there's badness and and villainy and criminal behavior but then Mm -hmm. there's also like there's a cute little kitty that everybody pays attention to and loves randomly in the background of this book and there's like you know the conversations between the federal agents are super like we're fun and doing our thing and we're silly and like it's it's so interesting to watch the dynamicisms between the tones kind of like wrapping around each other it's got like it's got like a uh like an adult swim vibe to it the tone, because they're so conflicting yeah the tone of it really reminded me of uh plastic and vinyl by doug wagner and uh daniel hilliard from image okay they had very much that similar i mean plastic was about a serial killer whose inflatable girlfriend gets stolen by a mob boss and so he goes around murdering yeah. a bunch of people. Vinyl was about, you know, a serial killer struggling with Alzheimer's, enlisting a team of other serial killers in order to rescue the FBI agent that's been investigating him from an evil cult. And it was all like <laughs> great books. And they're the same kind of thing. They're bright and vibrant. And the the people that you're following are, you know, they're unseemly people doing un with unseemly plans that are going to involve the death of a lot of people but you just like them like you're like i like this character everybody's fun and kitschy and like jovial yeah (laughs) it's so weird it's funny and silly and bright and yeah it's got a very similar tone to that and i think that's what really drew me i did not go in expecting to like this one i saw the cover and i kind of figured out the premise and looked at the solicitation for it and i was like "Eh, fine like this is going to be another like um cold calculated badass kind of thing and it's then not. it just had so much charm it just drips with this charm you have to you have to let yourself accept it too like i found myself on the first few pages doing the whole squint thing like what is happening in this book yeah and then once you sort of just get to a page you're like no i'm cool with it it really once yeah you accept it it's just a fun ride it really finds its feet about halfway through yeah it really starts to like get into its paces i didn't there were some moments that i was like eh, like there was some dialogue moments yeah particularly between the two agents that i was like eh, like <clears throat> you know there's this pitfall that people can fall into where they want to create a character who's like witty right but what they end up creating is a character that's a little too witty. Yeah. Like they're just making jokes about like everything and it's like uncomfortably timed jokes. Right. So it just, it makes the course of dialogue kind of disjunct. You see it honestly a lot over at Marvel because Marvel seems to have this like requirement that there be some sort of quippy person involved in everything that they do. 
So yeah. you'll see writers who want to do something maybe a little bit more serious or who just aren't as good at the like quippy stuff work in some like quippy character. And it just results in like conversation happening and processing fine. And then this kind of like left field wedge being thrown in so that this person can make a quip that right. doesn't really fit and doesn't fit the tone and just kind of like flows away. And that happened a good bit between the in the exchange between the two. There were there FBI was also agents. a couple of moments during their conversation that felt a little um, forced exposition, mm. which you know is my like least favorite thing in the world. It was mild, so it didn't kind immediately of, threw me off. Like I wasn't immediately like, "Ha, screw this book," and threw it. There's because it was mild. Yeah, but... and there's enough cheesiness in this book already. That I kind of, I mean, like one of the one yeah. of the gangs is called the Van Dykes, and their whole thing is that they have like mustaches. shitty Van Dyke mustaches, yeah. you know. And it's like there's enough cheesiness and like comedy and semi parody in this movie that the kind of forced exposition I read with a tone of it being yeah. like basically them looking at the camera and being like, "Do you guys want to know what's happening? Follow us," you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like. Yeah, it felt fair. very like intentional. It might not have been, but it flowed. It at least fit well with the tone right. of the it's, book. Exactly. Um, there was just some of these like quippy things that I'm like, eh. but it it's a charming book, and I I found myself. There's a part at the end where you see. So the the motivation of this guy leaving the crime family is because he wants to date. He wants to find a girlfriend, but he can't lie. So he knows that in the course of dating somebody, eventually they're going to be like, so what do you do? And he's going to be like, well, I'm an accountant for a crime family. <laughs> you know, from time to time, I do illicit money handling and fraud. I might be asked to shoot a man from at, at times. I know the names of individuals who have committed heinous crimes against society. And then he's like, I can't do that. You know, yeah. now you're the crime boss is going to go out and kill my girlfriend like yep. i can't do this so he like goes to the crime boss and he's like i want a date and the crime boss is like i can get you ladies because he's a sleaze and he's like no i want a date and so at the end of the book there's like two like four pages of his like tender profile as he's like messaging people <laughs> and it's adorable like it's just precious and i, I like that i like i like neo-noir like crime-esque pulpy books that don't just give us another like drug doing, hard smoking, hard drinking, like yeah, I'm rough and tumble. I got tattoos and I'm you know a big beefy like angry badass and like I like characters that are just fun and charming in these sorts of settings. It's 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 refreshing to not have you know, and we talk about Brubaker a lot on the show. Brubaker's really good at doing that. He's good at giving you noir and crime stories that aren't just like the hardened detective with a love of whiskey and women or like the ex-con who the John Wick-esque character, you know, not knocking John Wick for any John Wick fans out there, but the like ex-con who's getting pulled back into the lifestyle against his will kind of thing. You know what I mean? This is, like, some charming dude that wants to date and has, like, really interesting character traits that make for a unique experience. You know what it's I mean? It's literally, like, the character Charlie from Numbers, but, like, set to a super cartoony background with added cheese. Mm -hmm. 
It's so weird. <laughs> it's nice. It's fun. I like it. I ended up really, really liking it. This is probably going to be another file one for me. Um, cause it's just, it's cute. And I want to know if he gets his girlfriend. <laughs> like, I want to know if he gets to meet his girlfriend and if she's cool with him being murdering a gang of crime people, villainous criminals, crime people. <laughs> if only there was a word for that, <laughs> like some sort of criminite or something. Anyway, <laughs> we'll come up with that word. Yeah. Well, at some point. Oh, English have more words. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's good. <laughs> Highly recommend. Good job, Aftershock. And Aftershock gave us a first issue that didn't have a weird ending. Yay! I feel like a lot of their books lately have just kind of like ended. And then I read the solicitation for the next book and I'm like, oh, that's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> oh, that's a whole other different story that I have not participated mm -hmm. in yet. Anyway, that's it for us this week. Yes. Uh, if you want more episodes of Cover B, you can find them on our website coverbeepodcast.com that's right and if you want to follow us on social media we are on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok at coverbeepodcast though the bulk majority of our activity does exist on the instagram because it's just more fun over there true <laughs> it's where the players play and we gram on them streets like every day <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I hope everyone has a good weekend. Yes. Uh, we will, as tea gets better, we will be coming back with more Monday episodes. I know yes. you've been missing those. Uh, we just haven't really been able to because her voice has been trashed. I mean, you hear me. You hear yeah. This is not what I sound like. <laughs> I want my voice back. Ah. Ah. Ursula, give me my voice back. Ah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, have a good weekend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as always, I have been Chris. This has been T. <laughs> and also Wario. <laughs> and you have been listening to, to Cover B. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna win. <laughs>